I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Sunday after the uh, time shift, USC was uh, in the Coliseum late on Saturday night, taking care of business in some way, I guess you could say that, beating California 41-35. to We've got to talk about it with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Excuse my voice. I am definitely working on a little bit of sleep because we were out there working uh, after the game until about 2 in the morning or so. But we want to bring you this podcast like we do every week and get the breakdown of what happened with the Trojans and the Golden Bears, like I said, Saturday night in the Coliseum. If you have questions or comments for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. We already got a couple of voicemails. Both were very, very long, more than two minutes long. Uh, so try to keep them short, and we can play them. If they're that long, we won't play them on the air. We'll try to maybe give a little summary, but try to keep them short and concise, and that's going to be the best way to get your voicemail played. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, Leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us at the Parastyle Podcast. It does help to grow the show, and we appreciate that very much. And we also appreciate the Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. Good morning, Coach. How are you doing today? Well, I'll tell you what. We've been doing this for, I don't know, some 15 years or so, Ryan. And this is the earliest podcast we've ever done on a Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. And uh, I'm looking forward to it because I'm sure you have a lot of comments. We might have a lot of questions to ask. Uh, Homecoming, a different type of homecoming with two events in the same area almost at the same time. And a game that went so long that if if you were living on the East Coast, you had to stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning. And I don't know if that's real good as far as giving great exposure to the Pac-12 or to Caleb Williams in a run for a Heisman Trophy. Yeah, East Coast had to stay up late, and if you got to the uh, Coliseum, unfortunately, the uh, the MLS Cup, which the LAFC was hosting, um, yeah, that went long. That went over, you know, the extra time and penalty kicks. And so, if you were getting there, uh, you know, trying to park, it was a, a zoo um, to, around the Coliseum. You know, a couple hours before kickoff so that sort of like was a weird start to the day and then holy cow the game itself uh was um was very strange and we want to kind of talk about all that this was a um a game where it looked like usc could have put it away numerous times and did not um i think that the there was an ominous start maybe we can start with that coach where usc uh you know can't get any points on their first drive the only time they did that all year was 
uh, at Oregon State. You figured, you know, a month away from home, coming home, even though there's no Jordan Addison or Mario Williams, you did get Andrew Voorhees back, and uh, you figure the offense is going to click against a, a pretty good Cal defense, but it did not. And then Cal scores uh, full length of the field drive, moving down the field in huge chunks. It's 7 nothing Cal early, and it was sort of like, uh-oh, this might be a different kind of game. I don't know if you felt the same way. Well, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't know what to expect. Here you are uh, uh, looking at Cal and <clears throat> looking at Colorado, and you're saying, uh, well, we just got to get by these games, and then we play UCLA. And I I like to find excuses when you don't play as well. You're trying to say, well, it's not us. It's the way the kids felt, and we weren't ready to play. But there's no reason to be not ready to play. You played Cal last year. You got humiliated the last game of the year. This Cal team uh, barely lost to Notre Dame. If it's the same team, and then it could be the team that barely beat UNLV. You don't know what Cal team showed up, really. Was Cal that good, or was USC that bad? As far as on the defensive side of the football and the rhythm and the helter-skelter type of offense, without Caleb Williams, I don't know what offense they're running, okay? And nothing nothing against it, but they're scoring 40 points a game or whatever. But uh, it's hard to figure it out. Uh, one thing I can say, it always appears the kids are playing hard. And I think that's what's the important thing is the way they swarm the football on defense and on offense. They always answer the points, at least they have so far, no matter what time of the game it is. Sometimes you say, oh, no, the onside kick, and here we went again. And I said the same thing last week. If they had got the onside kick at Arizona, I don't think they'd have won. And if Cal maybe would have got the onside kick, at the end of the game, I'm not sure SC would have won again. So, or if SC would have won in Arizona, they had the same type of situation because it just seems like uh, people move the football at will. And there's so many holes as far as in the defense and the offensive part of the football. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. I, uh, I, I know they're winning, and that's what counts, and they're ranked in the top 10 and all of that. But down the road, uh, well, UCLA gave up a lot of points, too, last night. But down the road, Notre Dame has found itself. And uh, they are a running football team, a physical football team, a team that really matches up well with USC as far as their offense and defensive linemen. So, you know, the future is something that's going to be real challenging. And, uh, and uh, a Friday night game this week uh, is something that's going to be interesting, too. I think they'll show up well. The only team that Colorado beat, wait a minute, the only team that Colorado beat this year was Cal. Am I correct on you're, that? I think you're it was. 100% correct, yes. So, so I'm saying, wow, how good is Cal? And I'm not quite sure what USC is doing now. I know you always hear me talk about running the football. They run that, that uh, counter-off tackle. They uh, run so well. And if they ran that more to the left and right and over and over and over, they would really get good at that. I love the way the lineman pull and Travis died, the way he runs the football. He's just a winner no matter what it is. When he's, not, when he's in the game, I feel really comfortable offensively. Because he's a playmaker, and I'm so proud of the way these receivers have stepped up there Washington and Jackson my gosh Jackson's a star now kid out of Desert Pines High School in Las Vegas uh so you know it's hard to explain but without Caleb Williams on offense man I'm not quite sure what they're doing on offense either yeah it would be uh 
He's got to be the MVP by a long shot. Without Caleb, I'm not sure, you know, what this team, you know, what would it be? Um, I want to, you, you touched on some of those guys. I want to you know, just give a real injury update of what's going on. Um, so for the second week in a row, no Jordan Addison, uh, no Mario Williams. So top two receivers are um, out last week against Arizona. Caleb Williams still threw for 411 yards, um, threw for 360 uh, today, you know, distributed the ball around, um, you know, guys like, uh, you know, you mentioned Michael Jackson having a huge game, uh, Taj Washington, both those guys going over a uh, hundred yards. So like, you know, they kind of, as far as like receivers go, I mean, you know, Terrell Bynum had seven catches, you know, Michael Jackson had five catches, two touchdowns, 115 yards, Taj Washington, seven catches, 112 yards and a touchdown. So I think the receivers filled in, uh, well, you know, they, they were able to withstand, you know, those injuries. You also had um, the return of Andrew Voorhees, which was nice. And I talked to Justin Dietrich after the game. And it was good that, you know, Voorhees and Dietrich could go back to their regular spots. But you didn't have Bobby Haskins in the game. It was Mason Murphy starting. But Bobby Haskins was dressed. And we don't really, we're not really getting updates. So I don't know if this was just a healthy scratch for, Hask- for Haskins. Uh, and they put Murphy in there. Um, but, you know, the, the offensive line was a little different again, but it might have been just by design. Um, and we didn't see Cortland Ford. Uh, the defensive side, it's, they've had a harder time dealing with these injuries, specifically Eric Gentry and uh, Raylan Goforth. And, you know, I think more Eric Gentry than anything. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like on the offensive side, they've been able to look weird at times, punt more than they had in a long, you know, I don't know. There was like five, I think five punts in this game, uh, five punts in this game. Um, you know, that that's not a sign of a great offense we, we, for this offense for sure. But they also, you know, put up, you know, you're in the forties again. So yeah, I don't think you can complain about the offense. They could have run the ball more, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get it. But on the defensive side, People were complaining about the defense of the first half coach when Callen only scored seven points and, you know, even through the third quarter because they were still giving up chunk plays. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, Cal just explodes and, you know, makes this a, a six-point game. You you talk about a guy like Jack Plummer, 35 of 49, one interception, uh, that Kalen Bullock interception, 406 yards and three touchdowns. Um his law, his high, his you know high this season for for Cal. You know he transferred to for Purdue. You mentioned the UNLV game. He had 278 yards in that game. That was his season high. He goes with 406 against USC. The most TDs he's thrown in a game three. That was in this game. His highest completion percentage 71 and change. He t- that's what he had in this game. Um, pretty bad numbers to to make Jack Plummer look like. You know, Aaron Rodgers, like, like, what is what is going on here? Like, what this is not this was a terrible Cal offense. I've watched a lot of Cal football. The offense has been horrific. The offensive line, bad. And we saw stretches where USC was just getting in the backfield and getting tackles for losses in in bunches running downhill. But holy cow, coach, that this is a bad Cal offense, and they made Jack Plummer look amazing and he is not and this offense is not so what what did you see was the biggest problem from this uh cal offense well i think what they did i i really think usc is confused on the defensive side of the football as far as alignments what they're doing uh 
I think personally, they're, this is my opinion, they're playing too many players in the secondary, continuously rotating players. I mean, I think everybody on the roster plays. I mean, I, I don't know. Every play, there's a different number in there and a different player playing in the secondary. So I really don't think you get your best guys out there. I don't know if it's a, a free-for-all, everybody gets a play, or they're going to go into the portal or whatever. But I tell you, you got to get your guys out there, and they got to learn to be a unit out there, and they got to be able to work together as a unit, and they got to understand the coverages. They have breakdowns and coverages, guys wide open. I mean that's that's not communicating with each other. That's that's ridiculous. I mean to have those type of breakdowns. They don't recognize a, a split receiver goes to tight end and they throw the ball to him. I mean so many things that that uh, that I think that are mental mistakes. And then as far as the linebacker play, yeah, they meet Miss Gentry so much and and but you know Lee's been playing. They're not making tackles in the gaps when they run the football. They're not playing on their side of the football. They're still missing tackles. I don't know if you noticed that. They missed so many tackles during a football game. Uh, It's just almost like, uh, it's almost like, uh, well, we've talked about it before, but it's like they're confused and they're playing a little bit below the talent level that they need. And uh, I would rather see them just make up their mind what they're going to do and just do it good as far as not rotating so many people and trying to get everybody, give everybody a chance, because if you don't really have the depth, then uh, forget it. Play your best players, play them hard. And when guys get tired, look to the sideline, take them off and keep your guys in the game. You see uh, Foreman in the game for three or four plays and he's out of the game. And then you see somebody else in the game and then he's out of the game. You know, Figueroa is a good football player. I wouldn't take him off the field. He's one of your better football players. And he's not playing all the time. I don't know. And then play had a, he looked like an All-American last night for some reason. I don't know. He's playing hard, playing. They play hard, but they just look like they're confused. They don't line up right. And I watched as closely as I could Lincoln Riley last night. He was upset at the defense. He was upset at the defense. He didn't say anything. But I could tell the way he was looking at the defensive coordinator, Allen. I could tell that he, he was saying, hey, this ain't right. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what's going to happen on the defensive football side. But they're either going to get better or he's going to make a change. Because that's embarrassing on national TV, the way you made Plummer an All-American. And Cal scored that many points against the number seventh or eighth ranked team in the country. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, that was bad. And we have a lot of questions about Alex Grinch, so we'll probably get into that um, a little bit more. One of the things I noticed, and I, I you know, get your thoughts as a former coach on this, it felt like the offense and the defense weren't on the same page. They weren't complementary, where it was hard for, you know, when, when the USC defense was getting stops, like they got some stops in the first half, and USC goes three and out on offense. It doesn't, you know, take advantage of the stop. And then but when Cal would score, then the the offense would kind of would uh, would respond. Um, you know, they did have the interception at the end of the half. I thought that was big because USC was sort of just kind of floundering through this game. They get that interception um, from uh, Kalen Bullock, which I thought was a really nice play, kind of playing center field, and um, that gives the offense a spark. The offense scores. That's kind of like this complimentary football that you'd want to see. But that was like one of the only instances where you saw that. It just I don't know if you noticed something like that, Coach, where it just seems like if the defense makes a play, then the offense stalls out or or, or vice versa. 
Oh, yeah, I see that. And i tell you another thing. I've never seen a team in the secondary. I mean, I've always complained about why does USC get so many holding penalties and so on in the secondary. But if they don't get three or four pass interference uh, penalties again, uh, they paid the referee off or something. But uh, but I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. It seems like it's always there. They're holding the, the offensive receiver. It's like they're playing without confidence. Uh, I don't understand that. I mean, they get so many calls against them, holding and this and that, as far as in the secondary area. And I think it's a lack of just keeping the same unit in there, letting them be good at what they do. Pick your five best guys, six best guys, and letting them play. Because these guys are so unsure of themselves on the talent they're playing against as far as speed level and the difference in height and this and that. And when they utilize the tight end like they did, I'm like, golly, I mean, I, I can't believe that. I mean, uh, USC throws the ball to their tight end follow one time. You've heard me talk about this over and over and over. Not that they didn't have any trouble moving the football. They moved the football. But the big target, the, the target of the tight end is so open in the seams in the middle of the field that they're so concerned about the outside receivers that let's utilize the tight ends. The tight end is nothing but a blocking back. He traps coming across the line of scrimmage. Uh, he doesn't do anything else but that. And then, then you know, they, I just think they, they just don't have a rhythm on the offensive side of the football. There's no rhythm, and the defensive side doesn't match up. But the defensive side is just, just helter-skelter doing anything to stop and they're doing too much. And, and I think they're just playing too many players. They're confused. And as we said earlier, their talent level, they're trying to make up with, with turnovers. And when they don't get the turnovers, or if they don't get that, and then, and they, and they get poor, poor field position, well, they can't stop them anywhere last night. I mean, like you said, 400 yards passing the football against them. That's absurd. I mean, I would go after him. I, I would say, well, we're going to put him on his back. We're going to make him know every single time. And they're going to throw the little circles and the swings and so on. But you can't give a guy that type of opportunity. you got to get him on the ground or change something because they're moving the football up and down the field. But I can't tell you, right? The first time here today, I can't tell you what's happening with a team that's Eight and one, in uh, second place uh, next to Oregon in the Pac-12 could play for the Pac-12 championship, and here we are talking like this today. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Like this, it's weird. The team is eight and one. They were four and eight last year. It's the first year of a head coach, but there's a feeling of there's so much being left on the table. Do you know? I, I guess I don't know if you want to be. I don't want to be unfair. And I think at the end of the day, it's still a team that almost controls their own destiny. There's like a three-way tie scenario or something. But, you know, you win out, you're going to be 11-1 playing in the Pac-12 championship game most likely. You know, that's uh, – but this, you know, the last two weeks, like, you know, not really putting Arizona away and uh, not putting Cal away, there's just like a bad taste in your mouth. And last night to me was one of those games where USC doesn't feel good because – you know, you win by six against a bad Cal team at home. You waited a long time to come home, homecoming, all that, and you only win by six. And Cal doesn't feel good because they felt like they were in this. You know, they had they they got that onside kick. There were sparks, you know. And it's it's one of those games where I think everyone went home kind of unhappy. Well, they did. And what happens when you encourage a team and they're a 21-point underdog and they start to be able to play with you, all you do is fire them up. 
hey, we can beat these guys. They're not that good. And that's what they did last night, whether they came to play or not coming ready to play. But I'll tell you, the way UCLA runs the football, if they don't get their run defense taken care of, between uh, Dorian Robinson Thompson, I mean, Thompson Robinson and all, or whatever his name is, I mean, I'm a Ted run up and down the field on this team. And I think earlier in the game, like it did in Arizona, when it was the Arizona game at the end of the game, who did they go to to win the football game? Travis Dye, Caleb Williams on the run, okay? And they did the same thing in this game, okay? When they needed the first down, who did they go to? Well, they went to those guys. Now, if you did that a little bit earlier in the game and you made them protect the uh, perimeters of your defense and you ran that reverse earlier in the game, and you did some things that would balance it out as far as helping you on the offensive side and bootleg and do some things and run that power off tackle, I think you'd have it a lot easier for the offensive team and for Caleb Williams. He scrambles, he makes plays that are unbelievable. I don't know how he makes some of the plays, okay? And that catch, he threw that football to, I think Jackson made that catch, was unbelievable. So on the defensive side, hey, babe, you better just – sure it up is I'm telling you if you don't play basic defense somehow or do something ball control is going to be the end of USC because if you don't score on every down the other team such as UCLA and Notre Dame are just going to hold the ball all day long and power you down and wear you out and run you down keep the football power you the whole game one uh one last topic before we get to some of the questions coach I just want to talk about special teams um Lincoln Riley was asked about it uh, I thought it was a you know a poor effort on special teams. I mean the punting wasn't very good. Uh, give it up the the onside kick. Um, you know they just continue to return kickoffs that don't get to the the twenty five. Um, Lincoln Riley was sort of a mixed bag. He really praised um, Nick Figueroa oh, missing the extra point. That's that's a big one. Um, Nick Figueroa getting that extra point block. You know that was a big one. That sort of forced Cal to go for two, which they end up getting uh, when they scored late. Um, yeah, so I don't know. What do you make of the special teams? Because he was Lincoln Riley was asked this past week about hiring a dedicated special teams coordinator, and for all the USC fans, you know, complain about that. USC's had terrible special teams with a dedicated special teams coordinator. He feels like there's just not enough assistance, and until they, if they allow more assistance, he would get one. But the way things are going, um, I, I just feel like it's going to be a potential problem. It, we've seen a couple games where the special teams got better, and I think they've fallen off again the last couple of weeks. But what is, what's your overall assessment of the special teams? Well, I always felt this. I, I had had the best special teams coach in the country, and one of my special teams coach at UNLV became the NFL special teams coach of the year, Scott O'Brien, who was with the Patriots. And uh, I, I'm just telling you, it's one-third of the game. You don't think it's one-third of the game uh, because they're not playing one-third of the game. But it's field position. It's every single thing. It's the onside kick, uh, performing the onside kick, working with the kickers, uh, doing all of these. And my special teams coach did not coach another position. He was with the kickers all the time. He was with the snappers all the time. That was one-third of the game. And he prepared, you should have seen the charts he had in his office as far as this and that. and Everybody on the team that played special teams knew it was important because he had everything. 
He spent hours on it, as much time as the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator uh, took to put their game plans together. And then I would have my coaches, except for the quarterback coach, he always was with the quarterbacks. The quarterback coach never did special teams. There was always something the quarterback coach could do. I would have the rest of my coaches coach with him, but he would tell them what to do and what the game plan was. Why? Because I wanted my team to know I think it's that important that your position coach works with special teams and they perform. They're not all of a sudden a offensive line or a linebacker, and then all of a sudden they leave their linebacker coach and go to the special teams coach and becomes a special team coach person. No. Everybody had to be a part of the special teams, including myself. I coached the PAT team, the field goal team, and the kickoff return team. I was a special teams coach for that. Why? Because I wanted them to know that all three of these plays could win a football game. And I practiced that and demanded it and went through the blockings and the two-point plays off of it. Everything was mine. And, uh, and uh, because if the head coach doesn't show that, then really, uh, why would it, why would the assistants think it's that important? They do, but they think their position area is the most important, and they're more responsible and they'll get critical, be criticized, criticized by that more than will the special teams. No, when I was the head coach, I did that, and they all worked under me, and they all better be teaching that position right. So I think it's valuable, and I don't think it's everybody else has special team coach mostly, and that's just an excuse when you say. You don't need a special teams coach. What they are is they're heavy on the defensive side as far as in the secondary because they were in a position where one coach they kept off the old staff. And that's where the money is, and that's where the special teams coach is. And I think the other aspect too, Coach, is uh, I, I am an advocate for having a dedicated special teams coach as well. Uh, but, I mean, Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, he Absolutely. should be doing I'm not telling him what he should be doing. But, I, you know, in my opinion – you're seeing the special team suffer. I think that's probably the better way to go. But when you're struggling sort of like on the defensive side for sure, and you're struggling on offense at times where it's scoring sometimes and then just not be on the same page. And if you're, you know, the wide receivers coach, you're the, you're the DB coach, you're probably more worried about your group performing well, right. than this other secondary aspect you have to do in special teams, um, you know, are people sort of ignoring it because they have their own problems? It's like you have problems at home. Are you worried about what your neighbor's doing almost kind of thing? It is. It's true. That's why they all have to buy in. It all has to be part of practice. It all has to be important. Everyone was a part of the special teams. Even if you're first team or second team, you had a backup position on it. Uh, the quarterback uh, coach was the only person that I excused. And anybody that was a receiver that was not going to be on the special teams they then went with the quarterback and they worked on audibles and different things that they couldn't. It gave more time during practice to work on those things. But I think it's important that you make it important. And the way you make it important is show it's important by having a special teams coach and having a special team meetings and doing all the things that are necessary. My special teams coach would have first choice on who we'd want on every single team, and then I'd approve it or disapprove it. As far as if a guy should be on a kickoff team that was an offensive player, I'd say, why do we want to do this? Because he never practiced tackling. Uh, I don't want to get him hurt or whatever. And he'd have to justify it to me. And uh, just like the snap on the first 
PAT. Now, the way I understand it, and I'm not sure because I didn't see who was in the game, but I understand it was a backup snapper. I mean, how did he get in the game? It was the first snapper hurt or something. No, I well, I you know, I didn't. I got to go back and look because this was just last night. But Lincoln Riley said that uh, that this, and I'm I'm blanking on the name, which is probably good that I don't know who the snapper's name is right off the top of my head, but. He said he's been really reliable. It was just one of those things. He had a bad snap. So I, I don't think it was the backup, but I, I'll have to double check on that. Well, I'm not sure what it was either, but uh, that's what I thought. I, I think uh, that's what I thought, but I don't know. I don't know. You've got to have somebody that's in charge of it, that when the special teams that are called, that uh, one coach has got them all huddled up before the play even happens. He's got the field goal team to go in or whatever it is. He's talking to them all the time. And he's not coaching his position. And I think that's probably where some things are lacking. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, the general feel I would get um, when you'd had, when we've seen this before with the USC special teams is that you would have like the feast or famine plays like, well, they made these really good plays, you know, and then, but you also made these really bad ones. Like for me, I'd rather just be uh, just mediocre plays all along. You know, when you have the, the negative plays, the bad plays. It, you need more good plays to overshadow it, and it just wasn't. It wasn't that way. So um, that's just. Let something. me ask you. Oh, let, yeah. let me ask you, Ryan. You've been at every game. When's the last time USC ran a kickoff back for a touchdown or a putt back for a touchdown? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Years. Yeah, no one. Definitely no one close this year. I mean, they're just running balls out. There's a funny meme going around. You know, there's that meme where there's like a, a guy and his girlfriend and he's like looking over the guy's looking over his shoulder at this other girl and the girlfriend has got this crazy look on his face and everyone puts like a caption next to each party and it's like uh you know the the girlfriend is like the, the girlfriend is considered you know fair catch and the guy is like um and then he's looking to the 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 kind of girl the attractive girl that's like walking the other way uh running out of the end zone and, you know, the USC just wants to keep running it out, even though they're not getting anything out of it. So it's just kind of a funny, uh, funny meme. All right, let's let's um, let's take a quick break and we'll get some questions and get out of here. Just want to give people a little kind of recap of our thoughts on the game. Back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Uh, we had a couple of voicemails from Sean in Kentucky. Uh, both of them were too long. He is really upset um, with Alex Grinch and wants them gone. And uh, was talking about his recruiting, even though you know they had basically three weeks to recruit. So I, I'm not sure about you're talking about the recruiting aspect. But um, really, really, Sean is really not happy um, with with the uh, the defensive side. And uh, we also got a text from Keith in Colorado on the same line, and he said, uh, wow, USC makes even the most mediocre offense look great. How does Cal just move at will, especially when it should be closeout time for the defense? At this point, should Grinch's defense have worked out where to line up and which gaps to fill? Or, as I've asked via email before, is Grinch – the one to bring us a solid defense, or is he just a mediocre defensive coordinator? This defense is going to get pounded by UCLA and maybe even Notre Dame the way they played today. Keith in Colorado. Well, I think we agreed with him. We, what I talked about that, unless they learn to step up and they stop the run, it's it's going to be a very difficult afternoon. I don't know against Colorado, but Colorado has some skilled players, and obviously they're going to look and see what other people have had success doing against USC, and that's what you do. You steal from the ideas that other teams were successful against USC, and that you'd try to do the same thing. Now, Colorado doesn't have a thing to lose. They'll come in and they'll let it all hang out. They got a coach. Uh, they're looking for a new coach, and uh, they'll come in. And then USC it depends how serious they take them too. I mean, right now, you know, uh, they are the talk of the town. We're probably the only ones that are questioning as far as, I don't know if players or people listening to the podcast, but as long as they're 8-1, uh, uh, they've done no wrong. And one point is better than, if you, as long as you have one point more than the uh, your opponent, you won the football game. But you can't be happy with the performance. And I'm sure in the meetings, in the meetings, this is pointed out, and I'm sure that Lincoln Riley uh, is talking with Alan Grinch about the defensive performances, and he had the same type of problems at Oklahoma. And I am not sure that it's all him. I'm sure a lot of it has to be on the talent level, obviously, which I've talked all along about. But again, it's the defensive coordinator's responsibility to have players. And whether you have three weeks or two months, you got to go out and you got to get some players when you don't have any players. And maybe you misevaluated the players. I mean, the players they brought in on the portal on the defensive line, uh, really, you got Bird, who's playing some. You got the kid from Kansas State that's playing some. Gentry, obviously, he's going to be a great player, maybe an All American someday. Lee from Alabama is a, is a C as far as a player, as far as uh, having the uh, dominating defense. Uh, the kid from Ohio State is now becoming a player and is getting an opportunity so people know who he is. The kid from Colorado, the defensive back number six, is playing pretty good, playing hard. But you got if you're going to bring a player in from the portal, he's got to be able to start for you, okay? You can't bring in backup type of players. you got to bring in players that are going to play. Or Now you're out recruiting the best defensive players in the country you can find, but you better find them in a hurry because – the cupboard looks somewhat bare as far as uh, what's there for the coming year for USC's defensive side of the football. On the offensive side of the football, I think they're going to be okay. But the same type of thing is going to happen again on the defensive side of the football because you just don't have the guys up front that it takes to dominate. If you watch the Georgia game, Tennessee game, 
you watch Ohio State's game, if you watch any of those other games, Alabama's game yesterday against LSU, hey, they got guys up there that are men that are carrying sledgehammers with them. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a whole different talent level. So you can't talk about being in the top four, the top five in the country without those type of players and playing great defense, because defense is the name of the game. Yet, those teams are getting 30 and 40 points scored against them on them because of the performance of the quarterbacks and the athletic players that they now have on the offensive side of the football. Imagine imagine what UC, USC would be without Caleb Williams and his athletic ability. This is just about the same as a Graham Harrell offense without Caleb Williams. Almost the same with the same type of plan, which is all part of the things that come from Texas Tech and the background of all these players. But without a great player, I'll tell you, it isn't going to happen. And the same thing goes on the defensive side of the football. You're asking about the defensive side of the football? If you don't have dominant players, I mean, really, you're not, you, you, you can't stop these offenses. And even with the dominant players, you have trouble stopping them. So I tell you, you've got to recruit on that defensive side of the football at USC in a real hurry. And in the secondary side, yet you've got some great secondary people. You tell me about the great secondary people that are coming in and the great receivers that are coming in and so on. But you better get yourself some defensive linemen somewhere because unless you get those guys, you're not going to win football games. Yeah. We had our our buddy um, Sergeant Strong, U.S. Army retired right in. What's going on, boys? Well, I must say this USC team is so frustrating to watch. I absolutely love what we do on offense, but our defense is the biggest dumpster fire. How can we let Cal hang around like this? What's wrong with our defense? Why do they play and tackle so sloppy? I swear at times I feel like I'm watching Clay Helton-led football team out there at times. It's nerve-wracking. I don't see us battling. I'm sorry. I don't see us beating any team in the top five. And I think now that Notre Dame and UCLA seems like those games we could seriously lose if we're not careful. Thank you, boys, for your hard work keeping this podcast going. Definitely look forward to these podcasts with the coach every Monday or Tuesday morning when I'm at the shop. Fight on, Sergeant Strong. Sarge, uh, I think you're just uh, dotting the eye on what we've been saying here this morning. It all comes down to players. It all comes down. You know, you're a pretty good coach when you have pretty good players. You know, if I'm Lincoln Riley and I've had the quarterbacks I've had at Oklahoma and I've had the quarterback uh, that I have now at USC, uh, I'm a pretty good player, a pretty good coach. I'm real smart. When I coached at UNLV, when I had Randall Cunningham, man, I was being invited to coach the all-star games and everything. Uh, he makes up a big difference. They wanted to see Randall more than they wanted to see me. I got invited to go along and coach the Japan Bowl and other bowls because they wanted to see Randall Cunningham play. In fact, even on the game last night, they were talking about Randall Cunningham. I was watching a little bit of the UNLV game on how – these announcers grew up watching Randall Cunningham play. Well, that's the same type of thing young kids are looking at now as far as Caleb Williams and these other great uh, players in the country. But the defensive side of the football, too, has got to have those type of images, and people want to grow up and be like them. Leonard Williams that played at USC, he's the last great All-American defensive lineman that I can remember that played at USC. Those type of players have got to be resurfacing at the defensive line type of position. And the type of positions Pete Carroll had, those players he had, Cushy and I can go through them all that played at USC. With great players, you become a great coach. So the recruiting portion of it is so important. 
And I think that's where it's all going to last. If you don't get that straightened away on the defensive side, you've got big, big troubles. But rotating too many players, it's not free time as far as in the secondary at USC. And the linebacker position, there's just nothing you could do. Because you don't have any linebackers. But whose fault is that? Did they recruit the wrong linebackers before when Clay Elton was there? Did they bring in talent, untalented linebackers before? Obviously. Because they're not playing up to the level of what it takes to, to stop these type of offensive players. And it really makes you look bad. And it's really not the kid's fault. When you offer a kid a scholarship and he's really playing below the level of what it takes to win, whose fault is it? goes back on the coaches because you're not forecasting and you're not recruiting the type of players that you have to have to beat certain teams or crush certain teams when you play them. Yeah. Speaking of recruiting, Dan says, I'm concerned it may take two to three recruiting cycles to address the lack of defensive talent. How long do you think it will take to reload the defensive talent and which positions would be your top priorities? Thanks for your perspective from Dan. Um, I mean, real quick, though, in the era of the transfer portal, I mean, you can address things right away. They did on the offensive side. Um, they didn't do it as well on the defensive side, but I, I don't think it's two or three cycles. I mean, uh, yeah, if you want to get more young players in, but you can always go out and get great players. Now, it's hard to get linemen. It's hard to get great defensive and offensive linemen, and that's probably what you need the most. But any thoughts on that, Coach? Yes, sir. I'll tell you what, I'd go out and use this NIL deal as best I could. Because I tell you, unless you use that on some of your defensive players too, yeah, the offensive players get all the raves and all the money and all this and that, but you better get some defensive players that could stop those guys. And I'd think of looking uh, and using some of my money in the portal, and I don't know how that stuff works, okay? I have no idea. I see Caleb William and television ads and so on, and I don't know how he gets paid. Great for him. I'm happy for him. But you better use some of those contacts that you have for some defensive players or you're not going to get the defensive players. And you got to go nationally to get these type of players. Nationally, wherever you have to go, America, Samoa, doesn't make any difference where you have to go, but you got to get your share in the portal and also out of high school. And I would search the community colleges everywhere to find out what those type of players are and where there are a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, we got one last one. Dan, class of 1962. It's another Dan, different Dan, but. Uh, why does Coach Grinch continue to use a soft zone, especially on third downs, after getting dominant pressure with a five- or six-man rush and press coverage? When you could almost predict the average quarterback will have record days against USC's soft zone, you would think that the pressure defense would be constant. The zone defense also exposes the weakness of the Trojan linebackers except Gentry, who's been injured with no one to replace him. What defensive scheme would you play consistently? Fun on a win, Dan. And I... I felt like when USC started playing good on defense, it was just they're just getting after the quarterback, not worrying about, you know, dropping guys in coverage. I mean, sometimes you're dropping like Thule in coverage, you know, rushing three guys. To me, it was more about getting in the backfield and just disrupting him. And that was going to be your best bet. But it seemed like they got away from it, like Dan was saying. But what do you think, Coach? Well, if they got away from it, then they didn't have confidence in their defensive backs being able to play man defense. Because when you go after people, you got to play man defense with your secondary. And you got to be able to uh, put a rush on the guy. And the guy knows, you know what type of routes he's going to throw. Going to throw quick routes, okay? But he knows you're coming after him. Or they're going to try to move the pocket. But you got to go after him and you got to have con contain. And the quarterback already knows. I got to take the quick receiver, the hot receiver, whatever it is, right away. But if you have defensive backs that can come out and play man, 
and you got some linebackers that can cover a back in a in a in a swing route or whatever it has to be, then you got confidence to do that. Mix it up and go after them. I've always felt when my personnel isn't what as good as your guy is, the only chance I got on defense is to confuse you. But if I can confuse you with one guy, he can make the tackle. One guy can make a play on defense that stops the whole play. But unless you have the defensive backs that can man up, then you've got a problem. So I sort of question when they play a lot of zone, do they have the confidence that they can play a lot of man? Because when they play a lot of that man, look at how many pass interference penalties they get. The guy is always hugging or grabbing or whatever. So, you know, they're probably saying we don't have the talent, but yet they get all the four and five star guys to play in the secondary. And they brought in a lot of guys. So, I don't know. Are they not playing them enough? So where they get confidence and they're not sure about the speed of the guy they're playing against. But if you don't rotate them a lot, they get to know the receivers they're playing against and they can judge the speed and what they did to them the last time and how to play them the next time. But when I watch a secondary play, I mean, it isn't the same guys in the same say It's just completely rotating with the defensive calls and everything that's going on. I can't even track who's in the game. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Friday night game, so it's going to be a weird week no matter what um, because, you know, playing on a Friday night in the Coliseum, get there early, 6.30 kickoff. Colorado, who's a really, really, really bad team, but so is Cal. And USC made Cal look like a uh, functioning uh, Power 5 program. Will they do the same for Colorado? Um, we will see. Uh, and then, of course, the two rivalry games, both teams uh, looking much better right now. UCLA going on the road, which a lot of people put them on upset alert in Tempe and just, you know, put up 50 on Arizona State. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame getting a huge win over Clemson. It was going to be a playoff team. And now they are not. Um, yes, Clemson. I mean, uh, Notre Dame has some clunkers with Marshall and and losing to a terrible Stanford team at home. But they beat Clemson. They beat a, you know, uh, I think a one-loss North Carolina squad. There's uh, a, yeah, you know, there's some concerns going forward. But uh, eight and one at the end of the day, you know, twice as many wins over last year already. Um, I mean, the I think the floor is nine and three. I don't think they're going to lose to Colorado. You lose your two rivalry games, you go nine and three. Still a significant improvement. But um, I know fans are wanting a little bit more because they saw what this potential is. So we'll see if uh, the, these Trojans can get it together. But coach. Thanks for doing this early and, uh, you know, looking forward to get your thoughts again next week. I appreciate it, guys. Remember, this is just our opinion of what we see and what we talk. And if I was a coach, head coach, going into a staff meeting this morning, this is what I would be telling my my offensive side of the football, my special teams part of the football, my defensive part of the football as far as how I – and it would be a little bit more you know, specific on what I'm talking about, but what we need to do and get better at, or I'm going to find somebody that can get it done, okay? I hate to explain it to you that way, but with the pressures and what's going on in college football, if they watch those other games, and I'm sure they watch those other games, as they sit around all day and watch football waiting for a 7.30 kickoff, they know what their opponents are doing and what they're going to be playing against if they get to that level. And to get to that level, you've got to have great coaching that are coaching great players. Yeah. And I think that's exactly – put your players in a position in a way where they can perform. Don't have them think, but let them get it done. 
And I think that's exactly what USC has got to do in the future. And as far as Notre Dame, Notre Dame will not lose another game until they play USC. I think they got Navy and they got Boston College and they got USC. So, you know, they're going to come in really spirited. USC, uh, UCLA should come in not losing another game. And I think the Rose Bowl is going to be a great sight if USC can pull off the Colorado victory. And I know what the podcast would be like if they don't pull that off, okay? So uh, it's going to get your tickets now for USC, UCLA, and the Rose Bowl. It'll be a great, great game. Uh, it will, Coach. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, it's good to hear from you. Good to uh, hear from some of the USC fans. I know you're frustrated, but uh, and we'll, we'll have a Tunnel Vision show Sunday night if you're listening to this on Sunday. Um, with uh, Shotguns Bradlings in town, Chris Trevino, Jack Smith. So it should be a lot of fun uh, with them getting their recap of what's going on. But for the coach, Harvey Hyde, I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.